Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Kraus, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer Jason Harrison-Smith. Jason has been working with blues legend Albert Lee for many years. His past credits outline his versatility, including time spent with Enrique Iglesias, Five for Fighting, Jethro Tull's Ian Anderson, guitar legend John Jorgensen, Mike Keneally, former guitarist for Frank Zappa, and many, many more. On his debut solo recording, Think Like This, he was joined by bassist Dave Carpenter and keyboardist-slash-drummer Gary Husband. To find out more about this episode and all the episodes that we've done, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, leave a rating and review. If you like what we're doing here at Working Drummer Podcast and you want to help sustain this ongoing project that Mike and Zach and I have been doing for over two and a half years, there's a way that you can help, and there are many progressive rewards for those of you who can help. I'm talking about free Skype lessons from pro drummers like Ben Caesar and Carter McLean, a free Working Drummer t-shirt, access to bonus content, shout-outs, Twitter follows, and even a personal feature on you within an episode. Check out all the details at patreon.com slash working drummer. I'd like to introduce you all to Crush Drums by telling you about one of their new lines. They are offering a brand new birch kit called the Sublime Birch Series. The Sublime Birch is 100% North American birch. Here's Crush's own Terry Platt talking about some of the cool features of the Sublime Birch Series. One thing that Crush has always done is on our 14-inch floor toms, we do a 14 by 13. It's got the fullness and depth of a 14 by 14 tom, but you can also, tuning range-wise, manipulate it to sound more like a 14 by 12 for the guys that, that enjoy that tone as well. It also includes the hoop saver claws that we developed where we actually have the rubber grommet under the claw protruding through the front of the claw. So if somebody grabs their drum set and sets it down, say, on concrete, you know, claw side down, it doesn't scratch up everything. And here's one of my favorite things about what Crush is doing. The bearing edges are cut a little more specifically for the drums. Our standard edge is a, you know, kind of a double 45, and the outside is rounded over so you get some more head contact with the shell. On the bass drum, you'll notice that the resonant side is even rounder than that. And then the uh, batter side's going to be a little bit sharper. Just so you get that nice snap out of the kick, but the resonant head really brings the whole shell into the equation of the tone. You can also find a link to the new Sublime Birch series in our show notes and see the beautiful finishes and configurations they offer. In the near future, we've got much more to share in regard to Crush Drums and this dynamic company. For now, check out Crush Drums at crushdrum.com. So let's get to this. Here's my conversation with Jason Harrison-Smith. What does it mean to be an employable artist and and musician? That's a real... You know, I mean, I've known people in my life that they just simply can't work in the mainstream market. Mm. They just can't. You know, they, they find it to be, you know, 100% soul murder. And, you know, it's for me, it's like, yes, do I feel that some of the music that I have to play in order to make a living is absolutely banal? You bet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's a matter of 
it's a matter of that there's a time and a place, you know. Sometimes, I mean, it's like, look, you know, an, an office job is an office job. And, right. you know, and I, I've held so few jobs in my life only because of, uh, you know, the fact that that just isn't what I really wanted to do. You know I mean? And I was more about, I, I always was more about, you know, utilizing my skill set and not that I don't have, you know, any talents in understanding marketing or anything like that. I mean, because, you know, as a professional musician, you almost have to, you really don't have much of a choice. I mean, in fact, you know, if there's any wisdom that I would like to impart on anybody that's you know, bothering to listen, is that, you know, you really, you really do have to have a sense on your business. Because, I mean, it's like you really have to be able to, to differentiate, especially as a player, especially as a sideman, you really have to be able to differentiate what is necessary. You know, it's like, you know, unfortunately in the, in the, in the musical circles, in the music circles, you're bombarded with a bunch of guys that are, you know, incredible, you know, possess incredible technical skill. Some of them, you know, possess incredible expressive skill, et cetera, et cetera, so forth. You know, but I mean, it's like, there's also the guys that you don't always notice right away, you know, or that you never notice because the fact that they can blend in Mm -hmm. so well, and Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't have to necessarily, they play what is necessary for the song, no matter how, how bad it is you know, that there are people listening. I mean, it's like, you know, for me, you know what? I realize my, my goal, my goal when I go to a gig is that, you know what? I'm here to, to provide a service. Uh, my services, I mean, and just thinking of it from a business angle, I'm here to provide a service. My service is to basically, you know, keep people dancing, keep people happy yeah. and to sell drinks. I mean, yeah. for God's sake, I mean, that's, you know, because it's not always an artist gig. It's not always Mike Keneally. It's not always Albert Lee, John Jorgensen, Carl Verheyen, whoever in the hell I've worked with in the past or or potentially will in the future. Yeah. You know, and let alone my own solo records. I mean, are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's, I mean, believe me, if, if, I had, if I had the financial means, of course, I would do that stuff all day long. And I would be happy to do it. But, you know, there's, there's something that's kind of happened in my life where, you know what? Sometimes I really enjoy watching people enjoy themselves. And you know yeah, what? Yeah. Playing, playing like really, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, music that really isn't of this time any longer, which is the music I'm most fascinated with. You know, it doesn't translate. So, you know, you're kind of, you, you kind of have to, it's not about pride, it's not about you're selling out, it's not about any of those things to me. I mean, it's like, it really just becomes, what am I here to do, you know, and can I do it? Yeah. And and that's, and that's you know, and that's what I, that's what I really try to focus on with that. You know, I mean, yeah, so I'm playing in my wife's, you know, country band. Well, then you know what, here's the best part. You know what, I get to work on my vocal skills because I'm singing Oh, high cool. harmonies above my above my wife the whole night. Cool. Oh, and that's a challenge in itself, you know. So there's that. Then there's, you know, then there's the just the fact that you know what, it's like you know what, these people are actually enjoying this, and it's like you know what, well, 
let's not vibe them into where they won't enjoy it. Let's vibe them to where they will enjoy it and yeah. continue to enjoy it. Yeah. And that, you know, it's like some of the stuff, yeah, hey, I actually like it. So it's like, well, let's show that I enjoy it. Yeah. You know, bring the joy. You know, it's, it's, it's my wife used to tease me a long time ago because I was such a snob with her when we first met, you know, and she would always say, you're stealing joy out of the music. And ah, you know what? That, that's funny. That phrase really hit, it really hit home. It really stuck with me all these years. It's like, I am robbing the joy out of music, you know, because only because someone else is really enjoying this. Yeah. yeah. And, and why, and why would, and why would I, you know, why would I try to rob them of it? Now, if someone, if someone you know wants to get into a deeper a deeper conversation about it, you know, then it's then it's kind of hard for me not to express my opinion. But if we are talking about, you know, just <clears throat> excuse me, just playing music in a in a public setting, it's like then it's easy, then it's fine. You know, what I mean, it's like it's like you know, it it, it becomes about selflessness and really. It's just diving. I mean, it's almost it's almost as intense sometimes as playing. You know, the most uh, heavy, uh, you know, improvised bass music or the or the best, you know, grooving you know, R and B, soul, funk, whatever, rock and roll. You know, I mean, all of it. Yeah. You know, or when I was a, a classical music, you know, and doing nothing but you know playing orchestral percussion. You know, as a as a paid professional. I mean, dude, all you're paid to do is count. you know and it it and it becomes rather tedious you know Mm -hmm. and and then you know and then only to hear you know the string section bitching about how they don't want to play copeland and they want to play dvorak's new world symphony which at that time i was playing triangle on that and you have to wait forever or you learn the or you learn the music and that way you don't have to count you just know oh yeah i got a triangle hit once we get to, you know, the C section and where it's about to, you know, enter into this new motif, blah 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 blah. I go ding, and then I sit back down. You know, I, I mean, and, and if you miss that, if you miss that one note, you've you've destroyed a hundred percent of your performance because <laughs> you have one thing that if you play a thousand notes and you make five mistakes, hey, that's a pretty good. I'll take those odds. But man, if you have one. Yeah. You one triangle hit and you miss it. You've destroyed it. I want to. I want right. to. I want to steer you on a, on a little bit. Just a, take a little bit of a slight left turn on Please. this subject. Um, okay. There's a group on Facebook here in Nashville. We have a lot of listeners because this from Nashville because this is where I started it from and this is where I live. Okay. Um, we have a, a, a couple groups on Facebook, uh, Drummers of Nashville and Nashville Drummers uh, group. Okay. And, and, and there was a, a young player wrote on there, and he goes, can we talk seriously about the day job thing? Uh, the, the, the guy's like, look, and I haven't, I haven't interacted on this thread yet, but, but there's been a lot of really, it's, it's, it's created a, a really nice uh, thread of responses from uh, young players and seasoned players and everybody kind of on this subject. And, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, the stigma of uh, the day job. What, what makes me think of this is, is, is you mentioning that you haven't done a lot of work 
in business. But I want to get your perspective on that. Just kind of, just kind of, it's it's the subject of the day, if you will. Okay. That I could ask okay. just about anybody. But I'd like to get your perspective on what you would tell this young person with all the experience that you have, as he's kind of wanting to get started, he's he's in a great town here in Nashville, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he you know he's got bills to pay, and man, we've all we've all done it in one capacity in in one way or another. Sure. Uh, and and so, what would you what would you tell him regarding doing the part time thing and and that? There's, listen, you know what? In this day and age, there. There isn't the earning capacity, in my opinion, of there isn't the earning capacity uh, as a professional musician as, say, in the seventies or eighties. So let's 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 at least define that. Okay? okay. So that so that's out of the way. So the next thing you have to think about is that you know, uh, you know. Well, let's put it this way. Um, for years, I was able to support myself playing music only, okay? Uh-huh. And and it's still, in a way, uh, kind of my main earning, uh, my main earning capacity, mm-hmm. which is good, you know, and that's not easy. It is not easy. And the only reason why I can't, or the only... Uh, <laughs> The only way I can earn, you know, and make it my main earning capacity is that, you know, it's like, yes, you have to play. You either have to be on the road with somebody, which, you know, even road gigs are getting tougher and tougher to do because, you know, at least living here in in, uh, in Southern California, you know, in the Los Angeles, Orange County area, it's like, look, man, it is absolutely a fortune, you know, just you know, political and socioeconomic, you know, discussion aside, let's face it, the cost of living everywhere has mm-hmm. skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. You know, even in Nashville, which, so you know, much. has always been kind of, yeah, it's been kind of known to, that, that yeah, of course, to my, you know, relative to my position here in Southern California, yeah, Nashville seems like a bargain. Austin seems like a bargain. You know, Asheville, North Carolina seems like a bargain, uh, but yeah. there are trade-offs. Yeah. There are extreme trade-offs, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's one of those things where it's like, look, if you are the type of person that your art and expressing art are the most important things in your life, then there is no shame at, at, at all. In fact, as far as I'm concerned about having a day job, don't, don't be in high school. Don't, be, don't focus on a 20-year-old mind of like, well, this is what I got to do because, you know, my heroes do it only, and that's what I should be able to do, right? Yes. Well, if your hero is, I don't know, let's say Lee Sklar, as you know, famous bass player, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? Yeah, when did he start playing? Yeah, oh, or, or when did he become on the scene of playing? Oh, yeah, like 1960-something? Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, the guy is, you know, he's in his mid to late 60s, you know, I mean, it's like, geez, I mean, you're talking about years and years and years of branding, of familiarity. I mean, there are, there have been a couple of guys that are my age that have been able to beat those odds and that are able to play music as, uh, uh, for a living. But you know what? You know, they, they didn't have wives. They didn't have children. Right. You know, 
when they were when they were smart enough to brand themselves out, you know, like, okay, take Blair Cinder, for instance, you know, good acquaintance of mine. You know, we've definitely uh, crossed paths many times, you know, this, that, and the other. But the thing that makes him kind of unique and special in the in this case is that the fact that, you know what, he adapted to every change that he possibly could and mm-hmm. made his own digital studio. Mm-hmm. You know, carved out the money that he made from touring with, I don't know. I guess it was probably then maybe Atlantis more set at the time. Took a good gig that, you know, that had a little bit of a uh, of a reputation behind it, you know, of uh, that there were some pretty decent players that had been before him. And so he kind of followed along in that path. And, he, and what did he do? He built out a studio so that people that were familiar with Atlantis' work, because he's a pretty popular artist and respected, yeah. you know, he could record drum tracks for them digitally. And guess what? Yes. He is able to make a living doing that solely because of that. Now the thing is, is how often is that the norm? I mean, now you have to you have to really sit back and think about this and be one hundred percent intellectually honest with yourself. That is not a norm. That is not something that is even common. You know, and so uh, it's like, yeah, absolutely. There is nothing in my mind. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with having a day job. Yeah. You know. If it's a day job that's flexible enough that you can take off right. and go tour, if you happen to land a tour, mm-hmm. then you're done. You know, for me, <clears throat> the job for me is that, you know, I just decided in about 2004 that, you know, I was getting older. You know, I mean, I was looking at like 33, and I was like, I had just gotten off the road. I don't know. I had been on the road with a couple of different people, you know, with, with Mike Keneally, with Five for Fighting for a couple of years. And I mm-hmm. started working with this guy named John Jorgensen, uh, mm-hmm. a, a former Nashville guitarist, now living out here. I know but, John. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was just one of those things where it was like, I kind of started to think in it, but you know what? I need more money. It's like, <laughs> I just need more money. I mean, I need more money to pay rent. I like living in a place that, I can set up a drum set and practice, for instance. So this is we're talking about 2004. You know, and so I decided to parlay my passion for record collecting into an eBay business of buying and selling records. You oh, know, because wow. I had already been I had already been buying and selling records long before that, but yeah. just not on any sort of like really aggressive scale. So okay. that's what I did. And I basically built an eBay business for myself. And when and when uh, in 2008, when Obama came on and declared the state of the nation as in recession, the record market all of a sudden kind of disappeared unless you only had really great collectible records. So I had to morph, and I morphed into high-end audio because I'm also an audiophile guy, and people are always buying that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just it was a matter of, like, fi- I had to find my own way of being able to support you know, the things I wanted to do instead of just, hate to say it, man, but instead of just being a broke-ass musician. Well, because you, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 the, because the connotation by that, you know, it, it just, it's very, if you ever do, if you're a single, if, if anyone that's listening, if you are a single person and you haven't met your, you know, and, and you've met, you know, a girl, a guy of your dreams, you know, kind of thing, it's like, you know, and you really want to settle down and maybe think about getting married to that person. It's like, you know what? There are expenses that come with that. Yeah. And you know what? And just 
playing $50 gigs, playing even $200 gigs. You know, I mean, it's like, or playing $1,000 gigs. It comes and goes. It, there's an ebb and flow to it. So to have something that is steady that can kind of keep something going is really good. And if you're somewhat entrepreneurial, which most musicians would probably qualify as entrepreneurial because, well, you kind of have to be. Right. To be so in the business, employed. you got to have, yeah, you got to have... And I have some moxie, you gotta have some hustle. Yeah. But I mean it's like how better how better is it to try and go and hustle work when you're not really worried about getting the work in the first place? I grew up a you know, uh, in a really tough blue collar town in the middle of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And you know, and everybody had zero tact. <laughs> Zero tech. No, what does that mean? And no hang and no hang chops, man. I mean, it's like the only people that had some hang chops. And and you know what? There's a Nashville drummer that I know that you probably know by now, as Jeff Lean is his name. And you know, and Jeff and I grew up in this. He grew up in this town, Gillette. That's where we're from. Yeah. Now the thing that Jeff had going for him is that you know what? His parents did have some social skills, <laughs> and they did have. So and you know, and they were. You know, they actually kind of, they knew how the world worked. Whereas my parents were so young and they had me so young that, you know, it was just, it was survival mode constantly. So that just seemed the norm. So you also have to kind of take into effect that that's when I came out to L.A. with the attitude of it. Like, why can I get, not get any work? It's like, shit, you know, I can play circles around a lot of these other journalists. What the fuck am I doing wrong? <laughs> the wrong part was, was me. And the wrong part was that, you know, was remembering that, you know, everybody's got their place, you know, Uh and that's hard. That's a hard one to accept, you know. I mean, it's it's also a good thing to accept because, you know, there might be a place for you if you're living in a town like L.A. or living in a town like Nashville or wherever where there's so much talent, it can be overwhelming. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, and you have to remember that, you know, it's like a lot of there's, there is, while there is a lot of overwhelming talent, there's a lot of underwhelming talent as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like you have to learn when it's time to pick your battles and when it isn't. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And once I did, it's like, you know, I just real, you know, I had already kind of set myself up to where, you know, I didn't have to. Uh, battle my insecurities, or that you know, or or deal with you know, deal with. Well, why does such and such get the gig, and I don't get the gig? Geez, you know, I mean, it's like that guy's clearly not as good as this, that, and the other. It's yeah. like you know, I mean, you, and you, you you come to that realization eventually in your life. You just have to remember that. Look, you know, we're all here for a reason. You know, and, and you can you can quote philosophy, you can quote you can quote religion until you're blue in the face as to why. You know, and your belief system. I, I certainly don't want to. Uh, I certainly don't want to like say anybody should have mine. But you know, it's like God's purpose is some somewhere in this mishmash. Mm-hmm. And I survived here this long mm-hmm. in a very tough town where it is very competitive. And you know, and while I'm not the first person that has that has uh, you know graced lips, you know, of being called, it's like I'm certainly not the last either. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's like there's, you know, knowing my plan. And you know what? To tell you the truth, I didn't hustle. After I started really building my eBay business, I didn't 
feel like I needed to hustle that hard because right. it's almost like it's almost like you know I don't I don't really feel there are some people that are really good at shameless networking, you know, where it just. Yeah, but that only goes so far. People can smell it, like you say, man. It's like they know, they smell desperation. Now, so I went through a little bit of that. I mean, I I left a road gig back in January, and there was a few months where every every gig I had, I was like, let me get your number, let me get your number. Hey, man, I I just want to let you know I'm off the road. I'm looking for work. I'm looking for work. And, you know, people are like, oh, cool, well, good to know, and and it trickled in. But it's funny, now that I'm kind of back up to staying busy it almost seems like i'm getting more calls now because i'm not in this that's always the case but but that's, you have I mean, that's always the yeah. case. but you have to let people know that you're out there you have to let people know that you work well um yes. uh, i i want uh, i want to find out what's going on with you these days like what's happening sure. what's been happening this summer uh and you know, a couple times we've tried to connect you've been in hawaii uh doing some gigs um, mm-hmm. uh, but what, what's keeping you busy? What's been kind of this, this season? What season are you in right now? Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny you should mention that. Um, you know, right now, uh, you know, to, to kind of circle back to, to circle back to, uh, the question about day job and stuff like that. I actually decided to basically put myself on a little bit of a sabbatical with Albert Lee. Now, I've been working with Albert now for the last five years. So what I basically have done is that, you know, I decided to take a sabbatical uh-huh. and just do a few gigs here and there this year just to kind of stay to stay in the camp. But the, the bottom line was is that, you know what, the touring that was happening, because I do have two little kids, yeah. it's like it, my marriage was suffering. And to tell you the truth, my family was kind of suffering. And yes. so I think taking, I think taking this time... Uh, you know, and just staying local, which I've been working a lot locally. So I, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, grousing, but I mean, just taking the time off the road, I think was probably the smartest thing that I could have done right now because yeah, sure. I could have been stubborn. I could have stuck it out, you know, and just said, no, I'm going to keep doing the tours. I'm going to keep doing the tours, but I'd wind up divorced (laughs) and that's not what I want to be. You know, I just, I just didn't want to be that, you know, I mean, that's, there we go. Now we're transferring. Now we're trans. Now we're uh, move, sorry, moving into a new phase of my life of where, you know, I'm a family man, and I really like being a family man. And the thing is, is that you know what? It's like road gigs don't always translate into uh, uh, being a family man, and right. really not making the money to support them. One. And having the time there to really help raise the right, family right. and really I make totally, it all happen. So, I mean, yeah, I totally it's, understand. It's not, it's not easy, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, and, and look, and I've heard about situations where, you know, if, I don't know if it's kind of a golden ticket kind of a thing, but where there are guys in Nashville that do weekend tours. You know, like basically they're on the bus, they're on the bus Thursday, you know, uh, and then back Sunday night. Right. You know, and then have the whole week, you know, uh, to be with the kids in school and school functions and such like that. And listen, I mean, believe me, if something like that existed and someone called me to do it, yeah, that's that's completely and 100% feasible. And I'm totally into that. But, you know, the gigs that I've been offered, the gigs that I've been doing, you know, mean that I have to be gone for weeks, months. And, right. right. 
you know, and that's not, it's it just right now I have to like, I have to kind of really get refocused. I mean, it's like, I think I'm going to try and, uh, introduce myself a little bit more to the Albert Lee thing, but you know, it's like, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's the thing, the truth. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurriedly put fun together to record, uh, my latest records, okay. you know, that I, it's been 10 years at mm-hmm. least. So it's like, it's time, you know, and yeah. my, my voice, uh, piano player slash drummer Gary Husband yeah. is going to be in L.A. Uh, his last date with John McLaughlin is here in L.A. So it's like I'm going to take him around for another week and record a record, you know. And awesome. and I'm really excited about it because, boy, I just haven't, you know, we get back to the whole, you know, expression, uh, expression and, all, and, and all that goes along with it. Yeah, I haven't done my stuff in a long time. I mean, I've I've been playing piano and writing this whole time, but, you know, it's like, yeah, I haven't really put it forth. You know, and actually, too, I've also got uh, the ear of, you know, Justin Randy at the Baked Potato. So I'm going to start doing gigs, my gigs, my music, thank God, at, you know, at the Baked Potato. You know, I mean, which really, which is something that I've been meaning to do, but I've been so busy to even just bother booking it. Yeah, you know, and that and that costs money because the demands that I put on the musicians to record my music is, you know, it's difficult, and I I want to treat them with respect, and respect means you pay them. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that there it's there. Now that's a topic we should get on sometime. It's like not undercutting other musicians. Wow, there's a big one. You know, I don't necessarily feel like you need to be a, a member of the union. But good God, you know, value your value your craft. Value the fact that you have slaved, you know, of practicing and slaved listening and slaved learning nuance and everything like that. Value it. Don't, you know, don't let it slip into this, well, geez, I sure could use that 25 bucks or geez, I sure could use that 50 bucks. It's like, no, I'm worth, you know, in this circumstance of this gig, I am worth a hundred. If I do not make a hundred dollars, it's like, you know, I've got other things that I can do with my time. Hence, getting some sort of other work going. I mean, you know, that that you can do. I mean, believe me, there are plenty of jobs for any motivated people. And you know what? If you can take the motivation that you have as a professional musician and translate that into the working world, it's like, let me tell you something. There are people that that are ready to hire motivated people that are smart, that are bright, that can pick up things, you know, and that can do it with a smile. I mean, it's not... Not impossible. I'll, I'll just say that. I mean, it's not impossible. Well, and when you when you say you know, a lot of people don't make the connection that when you take lower pay, when you accept lower pay, you're undercutting the community itself in many respects. Uh, so Absolutely. You know, then it's then the person who is used to paying uh, for musicians to record or perform or whatever, they're like, well, man, I, I, he'll take 25 bucks. Then I'm sure that the next round or the next musician I hire, they've got to take 25 bucks. So you're, you're kind of like you're hurting your community when you when you you need to let people know that are that are paying musicians like no no we all are worth this we've all spent years honing our craft and doing this uh, so you, you got to be really careful um, so it, it, it's been ten years since your solo record it, it's called Think Like This 
that's the studio record, and then the the live record is called Tipping Point, okay. which came out the next year. So it's actually it's been uh, twelve since the studio record was recorded. Yeah, okay, that was two thousand five. Okay, yeah, so and that was that, and, and that was Gary Husband. A lot a lot of people know Gary, uh, of course, sure, uh, from his work yeah. with, with Alan Holdsworth and. Uh, man, I, I'm forty-two such a fan. and Don McLaughlin, and yeah, of course, uh-huh, yeah, right. Uh, um, so, uh, are you going to use? And I'm sorry, uh, Dave Carpenter uh, was playing bass on that record. Do you th- will you use the same group with this? Or I, I mean, I, I absolutely would, but Dave passed away of a heart attack in 2008. Oh, okay. So yeah, so yeah, so or else, absolutely. Are you kidding? Okay. That's like the truth. Uh, you know, for I mean, you think about this. Mm-hmm. No, no pun intended. Sure. Think about this for a second. That trio met for the first time and recorded. Uh-huh. There was no rehearsals. Mm-hmm. We just came in and did it. And that's the result. If you've heard it. I don't know if you have. You I, should, if you haven't. Okay. But, yeah, I have not, but, but I will, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, but I mean, to anybody that that has heard it, I mean, it's like, that's how, that's how quick, you know, when, I mean, I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to say, that's how great those two are, but absolutely, I mean, and not to break my arm, patting myself on the back, but I'm glad I had the vision to know that those guys would, you know, basically complete the musical vision that I had. But yeah. to, to hire them, to hire them was not going to be, you know, a, a far reach of, you know, short of personalities, which, you know, everybody got along fine. We laughed. We had a lot of fun. You know, Gary and I have maintained our friendship, you know, all over all these years, you know, wow. and yeah. it's just, you know, it's just a matter of, geez, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm still bowled over by the fact that they would record with me, see, <laughs> you know, Dave did it on good face only because when I, <laughs> Dave and I happened to be at the record plant recording a film session for the Italian job, uh, the, um, uh, right, the right. oh, she's what's what's John's last name? I'm trying to remember. It's been so long now. Uh, John, John, John Powell. There we go, John Powell. Okay, you know, just doing a John. We were both doing a John Powell session, and I was as I was walking out, or sorry, as he was walking out, I was walking in, and that's how we met. Okay, and I basically said, "Man, love to work with you sometime." He says, "You know," and I guess he basically assumed, "Well, if he's in this arena, he must not be too bad." So I mean, sometimes it's just. Sometimes it's just luck. You know, I mean, in fact, what am I saying? 99% of the time, I think with music, gigs, and stuff like that, it is luck. You know, it's just a matter of right this time, this happens to, like, converge. And then, voila, you're you're doing something great. Does that mean you're doing something great all of a sudden for the rest? No, because it's not the 70s. It's not the 60s. It's not the Mm -hmm. 80s. It's that... That world where music is a valued commodity, let me repeat that, that world of where music is a valued commodity no longer exists. Hmm. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's it's sad, it's true, but that's a fact. But but so so how what's your so what's what's the uh, what's the way forward? How do we morph? How do we change to adapt? Well, you know what? Um, you know, you've got to go, you got to go back, man. It's, 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 it, it boils down to, it boils down to children. 
I mean, in my opinion, it boils down to the kids. It's like, you know, I, I love getting the opportunities to talk with kids, you know, about music and about seeking it out and about learning an instrument. And, and even in the most simple form of just like simply listening, simply yeah. finding out, you know, so, you know, there's, there's such a, um, there's such a, uh, such a lack of interest mm. overall, just in, in everything. I think, mm. you know, where just because we're bombarded with so much stuff, marketing unfortunately has won in that setting is that there's so much stuff to distract, you know, uh, and divert any sort of attention from any real heartfelt expression mm. that, you know, no one really thinks about the arts. No one really thinks about music unless, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, it's like most of the young kids that I know that are kind of in the scene, uh, you know, some of them, some of them have figured it out. You know, I mean, they've really figured out that, no, this is this is a viable thing. I mean, and, and it is important, and I should think about this, and I should think about these things, and I should really find ways to express myself best. But, you know, some, I think, uh, fall into a category of where they just simply don't know how hmm. because they've never been asked to do that. Yeah. And that is something that is something that I feel really does have to change. I think once music starts to have that kind of intensity and passion that it once did, or that maybe it still does in a lot of settings, but is not as known about, I think once that kind of once that kind of uh overwhelming feeling, that kind of uh rush you know, whatever you want to say, yeah. you know, takes you. It's like that's when you start to realize that's, and that's when I think younger players start to realize that, man, this is what it really is all about, man. Like, you know, a younger player that's playing and they're playing in a, a band where they really do have free reign and they've never experienced that whole thing of where either where they get goosebumps, yeah. you know, on their arms while they're playing or where they've literally just kind of like, you know, zoned out to the point and not, and woken up and all of a sudden, Wow, how'd we get here? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what you're chasing. That's what you're trying to find. You're trying to find those moments where the ego simply does not exist. Yeah. You know, and and, and unfortunately, music, people don't realize that that's the great music. You know, you know, songs that were written that are timeless classics were not necessarily perfectly crafted. The idea came from, most times, you know, just from the zone. You know, being in that meditative zone, being in that, that you know, expressive zone, you know, and some people, yeah, it was a jazz tune, some people it was a classical piece, and some people it was just a rock and roll ditty. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, that's, I, I mean, I, I have no better way of simplifying it than other than to say it that way. Here, here's something I, I found interesting because my my two sons are 12 and 15, and uh, okay. and 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 they're discovering music obviously because their father's a musician and and the community in which we live in, but like my 15 year old goes to a pretty progressive high school, and a lot of his okay. friends they love music, but what they're latching onto is stuff that's 20, 30, 40 years old. Oh sure, you know absolutely, so, and why? And why? Because it has an honest statement, or 
for the most part, it has a feeling of an honest statement, or there's, there's, they, they, they can't quite put their finger on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they know, but they know what they know it when they feel it, yeah. and that's, I guess, that's what I'm driving at. Is that yeah. you know, I mean, it's like there's, while they may not be able to tell you what makes it, they haven't done the analysis per se, you know, to tell you what makes it great, but at the same time, it's like. They feel it. Yeah. You know, it's like, no wonder why everybody's trying to, you know, a lot of bands, uh, bands, <laughs> a lot of artists, I guess, you can call them that too, you know, are jumping on this whole, like, 80s boogie funk right now, you know, where everything kind of sounds like Michael Jackson's Off the Wall or Thriller, you know, with, you know, a few variations when they've heard maybe Nile Rodgers' band, Chic you know, or or David Bowie's Let's Dance album, or, you know, some variations like that. You know, where they've yeah. kind of like all of a sudden have gone back and discovered that music and, and its groove. You know, you've got your, you've got your Bruno Mars, yep. you know, uh, uh, basically drawing from that well. And you've got, uh, you know, Breakbot, or, uh, you know, who are some of the other groups like that that are really kind of drawing from that? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, the it flips me a little bit, you know. But the thing is, is yeah, you want to know why? It's because it was some magical stuff, mm-hmm. and it was cool, and it, and, it, and it was it was slaved over. It was meticulously, you know. The ideas came out first, but then the actual way to present the song became the meticulous craft. Mm-hmm. That's different. Mm-hmm. That's not sucking the soul out of it, in my opinion. I mean, it's like it just it, it means that there is a perfect way that they felt that it had to be achieved. And it took them a while to do it, but they got to it. Yeah. And they did it. Right. You know, and that you know, that doesn't come from an algorithm. That comes from, you know, some sort of digital uh plug in. Right. Just, it doesn't. Right. It comes from it comes from really understanding music. It comes from understanding arranging. It comes it comes from getting into a meditative a meditative state where you can actually realize the vision and see it forth. And that's not easy. It's not, not easy. N- not to make light of what you're saying, but I, I, for some reason, all of a sudden it came to me, that South Park episode where they're learning uh, a rock band or, or Guitar Hero, and, <laughs> and Stan's dad picks up a real guitar and an amp, and he's like, hey kids, look what I can do, and he starts playing Carry On My Wayward Son. And they look at right. him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, what's that all about? No, I want to see the video screen going by, and it's got to be like a, it's got to be a game. Well, there you go. I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm kind of driving at here. Yeah. Is that you know, it's like most people view it as like there's it's a game, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not a game. I mean, it's like it's this is not this is not something that is a mere distraction. You know, right, I mean, it's right, it's right. like you know, I, I just. I mean, I certainly don't look at it that way. No, no. And, no and, 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 but yeah, I mean, but right. but that, but unfortunately, that's that's what that's what that's what having a generation or generations mm-hmm. of people that have, you know, been babysat by a television and by video games and not really parented. The internet. You know, and this is this is no accusation. This is just truth. You know, and now the yeah the the exponential you know, distraction of the internet and the social media, right. you know, of that, you must conform, you must conform. I can't stick out. I must conform. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
where does the where does where is the where are the ideas? Where are the originality? Where you know, I mean, you have to have such a strong personality, I think, to make a dent. You know, now mm. I mean, because it's simply not accepted. It's a cult, otherwise, it's a cult you of know, personalities, man. You know, it's I, I tell my no. kids this: uh, the, the advice I give them, I said, "Look, you kind of have an advantage in your world than I did, because there are so many distractions, there are so many things that you can that can uh, demand your attention that you and your peers are dealing with. That all you have to do." In many ways, one strategy is take a step step aside and and create your own identity. Cre- you know, find a way to be proactive outside of all the distractions, and you will stand out. And 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 uh, potential employers or or universities or wherever you want to go and find success, people are going to recognize that in you because your peers are going to be caught up in social media and all these other things. That let them do that, but you show that you're different. You're an individual. That you have a strong work ethic. That you are an original person with original ideas and original you know, then, then that, that makes you valuable. That, that gives you more options in life. Um, so I don't know if that was, if that's going to be useful, but I I don't know, man. I think that it's almost like, um, it's almost like being in a marathon and everybody but you ate a bowl full of pasta before the, 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 the the starting gun went off. Right. Well, I mean, and that, but, but then again, you know, who influences you know, children the most when they're young is the parents, you know, and it's like, and if they, if they see, if they see that the parents have passion, if they see that the parents, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, can, uh, if they see that the parents can follow, follow their heart and express themselves, it's like, that's, man, that's, that's what, what a beautiful thing to program into a child's mind. So where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. So, uh, born in South Dakota, a little town called Brookings, and somehow, just as a child, you know, there was there was always music in the house because my parents were young and there was a record player, and I that was my favorite pastime as a young kid was just sitting down and listening to records. I enjoyed it so much, and and, and that's what I'm saying, you know, kids. But to continue on this one topic. Uh, you know, so by the age of three, my parents got so sick of changing records that they taught me how to do it myself. 
And then, you know, and then by age five, I was reading album covers, you know, because I wanted to know. I wanted to know, you know, wanted to learn about lyrics and learn about, you know, engineers and drummers and guitar players and all sorts of other stuff. I mean, it just, it just fascinated me, you know, the cover art, you know, of a record, you know, the mysterious, the mysterious, you know, uh, magic that it possessed. It just, it, it got me. Right. And, you know, and so moving to Gillette, you know, which was, is, I suppose still, you know, a very energy rich mineral, you know, natural resources kind of town, coal, oil, natural gases. Um, you know, it had an incredible school district that had, you know, maybe not what everyone would always consider top notch teachers, you know, in all fields. But you know what? Where it counted, there were. And it just was, it was a synergy of just timing and right place at the right time. You know, I had amazing teachers that saw how hungry I was for music, you know, and they fed me music constantly to keep growing, to keep me growing. And I, and I sought it out too. You know, I mean, it's like they saw that I, that I desired it and that I wanted to learn more. You know, I mean, and there are just, there are just extreme pivotal moments where I can think of where, you know, from like the sixth grade, the sixth grade at my elementary school had a rock band. And when I was in fifth grade and I just was learning how to play the drums, because that's when I had learned, you know, and my uncle had sold me my first drum set, which I so wish I had, but I don't, hmm. uh, you know, kid, dumb kid stuff. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, uh, you know, it's, it was, it was a thing of, you know, the, the the drummer that was there for the sixth grade rock band had to leave. His parents moved away, you know, halfway during the year. So they were holding auditions, and I got the gig. Ta-da! <laughs> and so that's what kind of started the whole ball really rolling. It was like, you know, uh, the audition process of just like all of it, you know. And sadly, that teacher, uh, Doug Keeter, passed away not too long ago. But dude, he loved music, and he instilled that passion into kids. And then I had another teacher soon after that. Sue Hayes was her name. Another amazing teacher who fed me music constantly throughout my entire time of being in Gillette. You know, she was always loaning me records. And I was always going to people's houses to find records. You know, it was just like I was a kid with limited resources as far as finances were concerned. There weren't that many... Records were not that easy to obtain in Gillette, Wyoming, so it was something that I had to really seek out. And and it it, it not only created the record collector that I am, but also the just the seeker that I am. You know what I mean? And I had and then my junior high teachers, you know, I had I had Kathy Holland teaching me how to sing and I had Mark Ritchie teaching me more about music and more about how to how to be integral into, you know, the whole picture, you know, not just the drummer, but the musician, you know, and then Nick Simons when I was in high school, I, you know, and then in college for my brief stays in college, you know, uh, you know, Terry Gunderson, you know, like really got, got me to accept that I needed to learn how to read a lot more. And that while I was fascinated with piano, I needed to become more fascinated with malleted instruments, mm-hmm. you know, man, like, like, a, you know, xylophone marimba, vibraphone the like and that was that was a difficult period you know because i i didn't really find my voice in those instruments hmm. 
you know, and I didn't really take the time to practice piano like I wish I would have been because I'd be a lot better now because <laughs> 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 cause then I had because then I had time you know but I, I, I with what limited uh, you know Terry himself would have said I was already a better drummer than he was when I came to college that was kind of limiting with drum set but that didn't mean that I stopped listening yeah. it was really when I reached Denver and I went for a semester at this place called Metropolitan and you know, and I I had some hardcore guys. There was a person that I really wanted to study with that I didn't get to. He was a trumpet player named Ron Miles, but I I didn't wind up being in any of his classes. We just became friends more so. But Walter Barr, the guy who I was in, taught me an awful lot and was a real hard ass. And it, it was the things that I needed. And then all of a sudden, I just the the rest of the mentorship comes with just the professional musicians that I met along the way. Yeah. You know, and people like, there was a bass player that had moved from Los Angeles because he had a day job, because he got sick of struggling to try and fight for the position, you know, that, you know, and, and the, the ever, uh, ever expensive costs of, of, you know, Southern California too, you know what I mean? But he was, he's still an amazing musician. His name is Ben Atkins and he was in Dallas now. And, you know, and I got to see him recently, but he was, he was the person I think that really made the whole, the integrating what my role as a musician in the whole of, you know, the outcome of, of playing in a band and or being in a studio setting really took root. And it did. And it, and it, and it, and it made all the difference in the world, you know, and then as far as like building up my chops, when I finally decided to move to LA and sleep on a friend's couch and with $80 in my pocket and just yeah. whatever I could fit in my little car at the time, <laughs> uh, you know, the person that I ran into a couple of years later that really, uh, drove it home for me was Todd Zuckerman. You know, I never really got to thank him, but there was a time when he and I, he had just moved to LA and he and I were hanging out quite a bit. Yeah. And dude, it was just like getting, it, it was like, uh, it was like a great Dane puppy, you know, compared to me, the, the slow sluggish person with the leash getting dragged around everywhere because he just, his, his scope of just like, you know, of chops just like would just kill me. Yeah. And then it's funny. I practiced, you know, I started hitting the woodshed extremely because just leaving his house, I just leave so just disheartened, you know, just like, fuck. <laughs> this guy just like just drug me through the mud, man. And it's like, but no, I, I'm not going to give up. You know, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. Well, somehow I must have done it enough to garner the attention of Mike Keneally. And well, I have never been afraid of a gig since that gig. Yeah. You know, and I never was really afraid of it because Mike had so much love and passion that it, it grew me so much to play with them. I mean, and even really learning more about the integrating process of like really what my role as a musician was, bit, you know, what would be sometimes composed cacophony, you know, or improvised cacophony. But, but tell people, no, no, uh, Mike, uh, former, uh, used to play with Zappa. That's correct. Right. He was Zappa's last guitar player. Okay. Yeah. And as, and is currently, you know, with Joe Satriani's band, uh, and formerly was in Steve Vai's band. I mean, he's kind of a, you know, the, the biggest irony about that people don't understand is that Mike's passion for 
the complex music is equal to his passion of the simplest music. Hmm. And and almost almost like the the most you know uh <laughs> uh rough you know music like like Ween for instance. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I don't you know I mean I don't know how he loves that stuff so much. It's just, some of it I get and most of it I don't, but there's just something about it. Or Flipper, there's another band that he loves that I'm scratch my head at, like, you know, it you know, but then Stone you know, but then the Stones, but then the Beatles, but then the Beach Boys, you know, but through that psychedelic period mostly he really loves that stuff. You know, and it and it turned it turned me on to so many things, you know, and he was really big into Radiohead, you know, when I joined the band because it was ninety eight. So you know they they had just got the snub for the for the Grammy, ironically enough, you know. But 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 to no fault of Bob Dylan's "Time Out of Mind" being like a brilliant record, you know. I mean, it's like there's, you know, there was still shit happening, you know. I mean, and I felt like the world was my oyster still, kind of then. And when you and when you wind up in a band like Mike Keneally's band, and he basically says, "Look, I hired you because I trust your musical sensibilities. Now show me what you can do." Yeah. You know, or now play my music, maybe. It's more a better, sorry, that's probably more accurate assessment of it. Now play my music, you know, and I'm going to guide you when you need it. It's like, gosh, I mean, it was like, it, it was it was a kid in a candy story, you know what I mean? It's like, I think probably the only person that irritated was Brian Beller, but that's another subject. Um, uh, you know, only because, you know, he was there while I was trying to discover my role. You know, and so it might have been a little bit painful for him, but it was definitely, uh, you know, I mean, Mike still looks on the days when I was in the band is very fond. So I'm going to go with that, you yeah. know, and, and leave it at that. You know, I mean, yeah. it just it was it was a hell of a band, you know, and I learned so much, you know. And then yeah, there's gigs that happened along the way where yeah, man, I just there were so many things. I, you know, I just remained open to learning. I just remained open to learning and really absorbing everything that made anybody I worked with, what made them special, what made them tick, you know, and... Do you think that really ever goes away? Paint. Do you think not that yet. It, yeah, I hope. Okay. Not yet. Good. I mean, not for me anyway. I mean, it's like I, I haven't hit that plateau. You know, I hit plateaus and then I have growth spurts. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes it takes seeing... You know, seeing someone like, um, like I'm trying to think of the last major, major growth spurt I had, you know, where just a lot of stuff happened and it happened quickly. Well, probably, uh, you know, uh, it's always happening. What am I saying? You know, I mean, but the last major one that I had was probably when I was working with Julia Fordham. Yeah. I mean, the English artist, you know, I mean, okay. she's incredible and the demand. The demands that she has to make her music, while are not, they're iron fisted, clad in gloves. If that makes any sense, you know they're not, they're not, uh, they're not harsh, but it has to happen. You know what I mean? And, and and so I had to find ways. Not only was I trying to develop my voice, backing her up, singing, you know, really high vocals along with her because it tended to be, but also I had to figure out what real sensitivity was, huh. you know, like really hone dynamics to an all new level of just like patience and really playing the right thing just at the right time. 
you know, because it made everything click. It made everything special, you know, and, and it opened up. It, it, you know, it, it just blossomed when it happened. And, and, and it happened an awful lot, which was, you know, I look back on those years very fond. And she and I will work together you know, again, I'm, I hope soon. You know, I mean, it's like we've talked about it for sure, for certain. So, I mean, it, it's only a matter of time. But, um, you know, these are, no, you never stop learning. I always am picking up, you know, new things. Right. You know, uh, as recent as working with Stu Ham. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I learned a lot, you know, as work as, and, and Carl Verheyen, I mean, like, you know, playing with them, you know, taught me a lot of things, you know, but I mean, I would say like, sometimes the teaching is not always musical. Sometimes it's the hang. Sometimes right, it's the right. personality. Yeah. Sometimes it's just learning about, by, uh, by the examples of someone else's life, how you want yours to kind of go. And that's also, because that is such a, your life and your your actions and your personal relationships with people and your ability to relate to people is so important. It's impossible to gauge your career on someone else's career. Oh yeah, because yeah, it's and, just it's, it's it's just too difficult. It's just too difficult. And that circles back and, to social media because that's all we see is other people's world and, and, and other people's life and successes and because they're not posting failures. And so it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. And then we're constantly comparing. And it, it could be so overwhelming that it's just like, dude, give it a rest. You know, it's like be confident in what you do. And and, yeah. I, and, and on that note, man, I, you talk about, you know, if this is what your drive is. If you're not in it, this is just my personal opinion, man. You 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 got to go all in, because if you go half-ass, if you don't go 110, percent then you, yeah, I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure. But well, that's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> but having a but having a day job doesn't mean you're not 100 percent in. It, you're right. You're right. Exactly. No, no. You you're exactly right. And uh, there are responsibilities. It's, it's a, you know what? The 100 percent. In fact, let me elaborate on that if you don't mind. Yes. I think I think the hundred percent in is it's in your heart. It's in yes. your it's in your passion. Yes. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to do with just oh man, I just make a living playing gigs. It's like because you know what that kind of that kind of mentality can equal just as just as bad, if not worse, a burnout. Well, look, yeah. Let me let me tell you something that I've I've told on this podcast before, with respect to just to make sure I I back up and explain my statement about that. Uh, when I first moved to town, I was working part time stocking shelves at a grocery store, and I just felt overwhelmed and and just depressed that I was doing that. And a friend of mine who was doing really well at the time, he came in. He goes, "You know what? You're so committed." To, to finding success in the music business that you will take this job stocking shelves at a grocery store, even though you could go get a full-time job with full benefits, but you are so poor, you are so committed to success in music that you will take this part-time job that is below you, but to make money because I, I, I had a baby on the way. And that that's... Just that, to stay in the game. Yeah, just to stay in the game. To stay in the I mean, game, like right. That- yeah. Yeah, to take I mean, the part-time I mean, that, job. That's, because, yeah, we don't... Listen, nobody knows. Nobody knows when they're... Nobody knows when their number's up and you're going to die, and nobody knows when you're going to all of a sudden 
land enough work that it will perpetuate into a living. Well, I just got and a they, message. And even then, yeah. And even then, man, it's like, dude, I know plenty of guys that were making living, you know, that are now struggling. Well, uh, you know, hey, I got a message, a, a voice message, minutes oh. before you called from a, guy, a, a, a singer I used to work with who told me that uh, guitar player Mark Selby just passed away today, uh, who is a success. Oh, I knew Mark. Do you know Mark? From, uh, yeah, he, he used to play at the Guitar Town all the time. Yes. He was a really great guy, man. I toured with oh. him for about two years. And uh, oh, he, you know, had it was a su- successful songwriter. His wife Tia Siller is a, a successful songwriter. But man, there's a guy that that was a super sweet dude, incredible guitar oh. player. Oh. Um, he passed away from cancer. Um, and I just got I mean, the message just minutes no. before we we I called you. I mean, that's I mean, and that's there you go. Then and now, now what's that musical career really worth? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like when you hear about when you hear about a friend of yours passing away, or someone that you you know worked with, or something to that effect. It's like it's those things that are meant to put perspective in place. It's like, look, you know, even David Foster said, "Look, you know, we're playing, we're just playing music here, folks." He's like, "We're not curing brain cancer." It's like <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, put it into perspective. I mean, it's like you know what. Having the ultimate gig means nothing. If I if I can if I can stress that, you know, I'll say it again. Having the having the ultimate gig or the ultimate gigs means nothing. Because the bottom line is is that there's there you know, someone is always gonna have the attitude of, Well, what have you done lately? You know, and you're like, oh, fuck. You know, so I mean so there's that. Second, you know, it's like you know, uh, gigs end. They all end. They never last forever. They always end. So when you when you take all that into account, it's like you kind of have to customize your life for you. Because why? It's your life. This you're, is your life right. we're talking about. Yes, yes. It's not, it's not someone else's life. Yes. This is your life. It's exciting to think that you, you've, you're working with uh, Gary too. I mean, because the thing about Gary's oh. playing is that it, it, it's it, it's such a like a non drummer's point of view. Like I, I don't know. It's it's of hard. Course. It's hard to explain, but you hear the ideas. But it's 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 interesting to listen to Gary compared to watching him on a video performing. Or I'm sure. sure, and I have not seen him live, so I imagine that's a whole other sure. level. Of course. Yeah. Well, wait till you hear his wait till you hear his piano playing. <laughs> oh yeah. That's dude. It's it's so he is, and I I will go on record as this. As far as like, he is one of the most innovative piano players that has emerged. Period. Like wow. I mean, and I love, I love all the people he knows. I know who he's listening to. And he knows who I've listened to and, you know, and talk, you know, at length about this. But I would, I would go on record as saying, like, dude, there is nobody that can touch him. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. There is not, I mean, as far as, like, originality of ideas, you know, concept, timing, just, just 
all these things of like the absolute completely in the moment reaction you know to uh, to a musical phrase and situation his responses they're just it's incredible yeah. it's incredible and you get to play and you get to play with him and help him feed those and feed him ideas you know it's like it was it, it's still you know i can't wait to do it again that's I'm amazing so excited man. about it that's I'm so amazing. excited about it you know i mean it's like there's uh, you know especially you know out of england you know there's only been one other piano player that i can think of that was that had that kind of i don't know uh prowess talent i don't know what you call it magic uh you know self knowledge I, I don't know what it is but that would be a guy named john taylor who just passed away recently hmm. and and he's another wow just mind blowing mind blowing mind blowing mind blowing mind blowing never got to play with them hmm. unfortunately yeah. so tried but uh management stepped in the way of that one and kind of fucked that up so that's uh, another story yeah but uh but yeah he was you know i, I just you can tell that it Gary's piano playing is the personification of, like I said, all those years of classical piano training and having Alan Holdsworth as as your front man for all those years. Don't think that he wasn't inspired by that. You know, I mean, he was grossly inspired by it to the point of, and not to the point of replication, but the, to the point of, like, you know, there is something else. There is something else. It doesn't have to be Herbie Hancock regurgitated. It doesn't have to be Chick Corea regurgitated, which, believe me, I love Chick and I love Herbie, but it's like the guys who came after, there's so many that regurgitated what they've done. And it's like, let's do something else. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. not that, it's not that it's not that any of those keyboard players didn't find their own original voice, but it's like, I've never heard anybody that sounded like Gary Hudson. Not even close. And Gary doesn't sound like anybody else. Uh, on period. drums either, man. It's just, no, not on drums either. I mean, he's he's very fresh, very innovative, and just and is in the moment. And dude, he just you know he's not a technic he's not a technophile. It's like you can tell he had to put time in to do it, but his his playing is never about a pattern. It's never about something he practiced. It's always about this is now, now, now. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's in the moment. It it never, it never now. You know, I mean, it, it's never about anything else. <laughs> How would you describe your playing? How would you describe your playing now, now? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. Now this is it right here. No, this now. I mean, but that's and that's that's what inspired me so much about people like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony Williams too. You know, Tony Williams de- eventually developed a lexicon that he referred to sure. a lot. Yeah. You know, but he still would be spontaneous. He yeah. still would, he still would like, oh, he'd still surprise you. You know, it's, oh, that's what you're going to play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that one. That Gary, it just sounds like, Gary, it just sounds like it's an unending, it's an unending stream. <laughs> I mean, it's just, 
Dude, see, I'm excited. <laughs> now I'm getting excited. You know, IOU is one of those records that I, I don't own, and uh, I've heard it before, but it's been years. Uh, and I'm, I, I love Alan Holdsworth. Uh, and, of course, Gary's playing, and and, um, and we'll miss him well, that's, for sure. Well that's, well, that's the album to hear. I mean, okay, Gary I've sounds got... great on it, the others, too, but, I mean, right. it's like, that to me is like, that that defines it. I, I mean, it's it's just. Yeah. It, I mean, that is the genesis. So to hear it, to hear it with those ears, and know that that's where it all started. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just like, holy shit! What a starting point. I mean, it, it's just. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's beyond. It's beyond awesome. It's beyond respectable. It's just. It's simply. It's it's simply like a a, a, a five wonder of the world. There you go. There's my. That's what I want my list to be called, The Five Wonders of the World. There you go. <laughs> Jason Harrison yeah, Smith. There are more, the f- but there's five. Jason oh, yeah, Harrison Smith and The Five Wonders of the World, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, uh, I would be remiss without uh, sending out a uh, huge shout-out to Kate and Burns for oh, yeah. connecting me to you. Um, Most definitely. He has been... What a great guy, man. He's been now. I have not had a chance to to speak directly with him, but he's been a, a supporter of the podcast and and what we're doing. Oh, and great. Um, my co-host lived in L.A. for a number of years, and now he's in Atlanta. And he brings in a uh, a, a bunch of drummers that I am not acquainted with, and and uh, kind of stretching our wings uh, to to uh, our network a little bit more, if you will. Uh, Kate sure. has been uh, pivotal in that, and I just uh, I appreciate him so much introducing yeah. me uh, to you, and uh, and and just it it's man, you I hear a lot of passion in your words and 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 that I know at this stage of your life and your career if that's still there it's going to be there forever you know yeah it's not going anywhere it's not going I, I mean, anywhere it's, it's, it's a blessing <laughs> it's a blessing it's a curse but at the same time it's, I I don't know any other way I I couldn't have it any other way and to say the truth you know I I admire musicians that can still <laughs> you know can still get it up so to speak you know <laughs> when you know when they've gone on in their later ages because you know what there's so many times and I won't name names but there's so many times when I I see my heroes yeah. or people that I've admired and they have really been kind of eh, they're just there phoning it in they're just there collecting the check yeah. it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't have, I mean, maybe my expectations are a little high, but, and that's possible, you know. And, of course, I do understand the concept of a player's con- uh, concept of playing changes as they grow yeah. older, you know, and wiser or, or dumber. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, the, um, but, but you can tell, man, there's, there's guys that have changed. You know, like Gary, for instance, too. Gary's drumming now does not sound like it did on IOU. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different. But the thing is, is that, you know what? There's That doesn't mean that he's any less passionate. It doesn't mean that he's any less explorative. It doesn't mean that he's, you know, at least to my ears, and I listen pretty closely, I never feel like he repeats himself. 
Hmm. Interesting. You know, which is a what a gift. I mean, it's like I never really feel like he's relying on any. He's never relying on anything that. Like I, I rarely hear him rely on motifs that will then spark him to go elsewhere. You know, like let's let's put it let's put it in perspective. Quick, Michael Brecker, okay, a very well-known, extremely recorded saxophone player, who has some very distinct personal motifs that he would refer to sometimes to then jump off from. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a mass. That's a level of mastery. Okay, it's yeah. not it's not half ass. It's not it's not screwing off or like you know I'm just going to rest on my lower. They do whatever his lick is that he's you know that he's cranking out at that point in time. But it's what comes after is what's the real deal. It's what comes after that or where that just is maybe his centering uh, a motif or something like that. With Gary, I don't hear. I don't always hear a lot of centering motifs. It's almost like he really strives for just complete and 100%, you know, in the moment. It's just, God, it's just freakish. I mean, I, I mean, like, okay, vacation point. So we were at, we were doing the studio, we were doing the studio album. And I felt I felt a little inspired, or for a minute, or something like that. And, and I, I, I want to remind listeners. I, I'm sorry, sorry, Jason. I want to remind listeners we're talking yeah. about Gary Husband here because we're 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 beyond the Desert Island thing, and we're we're back in the in in the conversation here. But Gary Husband, sorry, go ahead, man. Right, and and he recorded on my records. Yeah, yeah. so uh-huh. there there you go. Okay, so reference, reference, reference. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the <laughs> dude, I, I I went over to the piano. This beautiful nine foot. Steinway Homburg D that I rented for the session. And I said, hey, Gary, man, just, just give me some time. I'm going to see if I can maybe come up with something, you know. And, you know, so he goes over to my kit. It just, it just, I just starts wailing. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, and I'm trying to play, and I'm trying not to laugh because what he's playing is so, so amazing. And finally, I just said, okay, okay, I can't. I can't. I said, it's. I said, well, I want to listen to you more than I want to like try and concentrate here. I said, I'm going to break your arms or something. Good God, man. Yeah. Because it was, it was, it was just so powerful and so moving. It's like, you're not ready for it. Oh. If you're not ready for it, you are not ready for it. And that's what was, that's what was so special. I think about recording that record with him and records. I'm sorry. Even the live, even the live album, man. I mean, there's just, there's so much power behind it. You know, there's so much power behind it. I mean, it, and it's not that you have to match his chops. It's you have to match his energy level, and you have to match his dynamic and his and his. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh, it's slipping my slipping the thought. Uh, the you have to match his his uh, uh, his uh, passion or no the 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 you have to match his level of ideas. Uh, that's, that's that's the best way I can put it. Okay. You have to match his level of ideas, uh, and that's where music fucking happens. Ideas, yeah. ideas, ideas, ideas. I can't say that enough, man. Uh-huh. Ideas, wow, just so many of them. Yeah. So and they, and they just and they just flow. Jason, uh, man, I I, I want to say thanks, dude. 
for talking to me. Pleasure's mine, man. We we spent a, a a good time. Just we've I feel like we've we've covered a lot of ground that I wasn't <laughs> expecting, and those are always yeah. the best, man. Those are always the best. Again, uh, my thanks to Kate and Burns for connecting us. And Jason, yeah. I, I thank he's you, a, man. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being, man, and an up-and-coming great player himself. Oh, good. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely got, he's got, he's definitely got a good, a good plethora of mentors behind him too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Awesome. With, awesome. with golf, yeah, very much. Look, so. look. Keep in touch with us, man, and uh, oh, I will. Yeah. Uh, I will do the same and and let you know when this Please. when this uh, is posted, which will probably be about. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to harass my endorsers with it. <laughs> endorsers with it, yeah. Uh, which includes an innovative percussion here, and 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 they've got their Some local boys. That's yeah, right, Some local boys there. Yeah. They've been they've been yeah. great supporters of the of the podcast. It's been great. Good. But, um, I'm going to let you go. But Jason, okay. thanks again so much, and and enjoy the rest of your day. Of course, I will. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Yeah, talk to you soon. So, sounds great. Talk, talk to you then. Okay, bye bye. Okay, bye bye. My thanks to Jason for taking some time to speak with us today. Uh, my thanks again goes to Kate and Burns for connecting uh, Jason with us and uh, allowing us to have this uh, talk. It sounds like um, Jason is very busy uh, juggling things out in L.A. And uh, just to have the luxury of taking a little bit of time from Albert Lee to spend time with his family is something that I can totally relate to. Um, Also, uh, I'm really glad that we spent a little bit more time uh, talking about um, just being focused on your music goals, so much so that, you know, if it requires a day job, that uh, that's just the way things are. That's just the way things are uh, for many of us. And um, I think the stigma that's attached to that thing needs to to go away so that we can... um, dedicate the time that we need to uh, taking care of uh, what needs to be taken care of and uh, we can get to our music Uh, stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interviews and my thanks as always goes to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode you can find us on patreon.com slash working drummer where you can help support this podcast and what we do here so at the very least, please go to patreon.com slash working drummer and see what awards are available to you and to those who are able to help support what Mike and Zach and I do. Also, as a reminder, you can see the t-shirts that we have available. There's graphics on the front and the back, and we have all sizes now, small, medium, large, extra large, and 2XL. Please uh, consider one of these shirts. Uh, I uh, am excited to have those available. And uh, if you find us on workingdrummer.net, you can go to the merch and you can see those shirts. And uh, if you want, please order one. And that all helps uh, support not only the cost of the shirt, but helps us uh, recoup some of the costs of uh, operating the podcast. So, uh, please show your support, show your colors, if you will, and uh, and buy a shirt from WorkingDrummer.net. And uh, thanks again for everyone's listening and participation in this community that uh, we all love and support, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.